Hey, Brian Kane, the host of the Brian Kane podcast today, and I'm super excited to have our guest, Bobby Witt Jr. He's one of the most exciting young athletes in the country and was recently the number two overall pick in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft by the Kansas City Royals organization, and he inked the third largest signing bonus contract in the history of Major League Baseball. And Bobby, who's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated, was named the Gatorade National High School Athlete of the Year. He was a state champion in his senior year with Colleyville Heritage High School, and he helped lead Team USA's baseball team to the gold medal at the Pan American Games. He's also, before he ever stepped a day outside of high school, has hit home runs already in three major league parks, Wrigley Field, Nationals Park, and Globe Life Park, home of the Texas Rangers. And the beautiful thing, despite all the accolades, is if there's one thing people know about Bobby Witt Jr., it's not just his skills on the field, but it's his humility and his team first approach to the game that really attracts you to this player and really make him the special breed that he is in the a lost art of humility and the lost art of team first athletes, humility and team first define Bobby Witt Jr. as well as one of the most impressive skill sets where they said in the article in Sports Illustrated, the second best prospect to come out of high school since Alex Rodriguez. Bobby Witt Jr., welcome to the Brian Kane podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Very excited and just really privileged just to be on here and talk with you. Yeah, Bobby, man, I was excited, you know, to, to have you. And, you know, we met back, uh, I think, when you were a freshman at Colleyville Heritage High School. Do you, do you remember kind of your sort of introduction into the mental game at all? Yeah, no, I, I was coming from uh, football, from the fall of football and then the spring, and I kind of heard about uh, Brian Kane and what he was doing for the baseball program and in the past, just what have, what they have done for us. And then the spring hit, and then that's when we kind of, he came out and saw us and kind of it, it flipped a switch for me. So just having him in my life and this the opportunities he gave us as a team and the team building things that we had, it's been it's been amazing. You know, and Bobby, we'll, we'll get back kind of into your mental game, but let's press rewind here and go all the way back. You know, your father, Bobby Witt Sr., was a, a you know, longtime Major League Baseball pitcher and was actually selected third in the Major League Baseball draft, and you got to be picked second. So did you always know kind of growing up as an athlete that you wanted to follow in your dad's football or your dad's footsteps as a Major League Baseball player? Yeah, ever since I was little, because his last year was in 2001 with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that's when they won the World Series, but I was too young to really remember any of that. But I got to grow up and talk to a lot of his teammates, and just, just to hear about how he was as a player really was the way that I figured out who he was, because I never really got to see him play personally, and then old videotapes and things. But then just how growing up with him being there by my side, he really instilled the love of baseball into me and just that he put that hard work into me because he's from Massachusetts. So he's that hard nosed guy. He's always going out there trying to, even to this day, he's trying to get better at anything he's doing, whether it's doing yard work or doing BP, trying to get better at that. But yeah, so just having him, it's almost like I had a cheat sheet for me throughout my years of my career playing baseball and also just growing up to being a good young man. You know, and despite all of your success, right, at a very young age, you know, we asked you about some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome. And I think when people look at, at, at you, Junior, they see the Sports Illustrated, they see the second round pick, and they see all the success. But every success has challenges. And one of the things that you mentioned was that sometimes there, there was worry. 
And what are some of the ways that you've kind of been able to keep that in check and stay focused on your mission and not be, you know, suffocated by the pressure or the expectations or the worry that you've had as a top prospect? After going through some of the mental practices and everything, and I think it was probably about my sophomore year of high school, that really, it, it truly flipped a switch in me and just, it lit a fire into me saying that people are going out with a target on my chest. And that was another thing. I don't want people to be thinking about me in bad ways. Like, oh, this kid does this, does this, why is he this? So then I just really, I just focused on the team really. And that's whenever everything kind of fell into place. Whenever I wasn't worrying about myself and what I'm going to do, it was kind of more worrying about what am I going to do for the team? And once I knew I had that in me and then the team just kind of went off and my, our three, my four years of high school, it was, best experience I've had. And then summer ball playing with team USA, just knowing whenever you have the teammates behind your back, that's when all that worry and self doubt and all that goes away and you can just go out there and play your game. And I think my sophomore year of high school is written really, it, it, it clicked for me. And then that's when I was able to push off all that the negativity that I was going through my mind. Like, what if I did better here? What if I did this? Just really just go out there and have fun and play my game because I can't worry about what college coaches, what, MLB scouts are saying about me, what other kids are saying about me. I just got to go out there and do me. You know, Bobby, you mentioned kind of growing up and, and, you know, at some point around your sophomore year of high school, you, you know, you've identified already number one prospect in the country as a sophomore in high school, and you've got this target on your chest and you were able to use that to your advantage to focus on being a great teammate. And what was it like for you when you made that shift to say, I'm my number one goal is to be a great teammate. And did that relieve some of the pressure that you felt like you had up to that point? Definitely. It just felt like there's just that, that rock that's on your chest or in your, your back that has all the pressure on it. Just kind of really, it just goes away. And then whenever you're focusing on winning and rather than winning for yourself, winning for the team, and then that's when it really just, it comes off and it's, it's just amazing what, just doing that little switch can do for you. And that was, and whenever I just focused on the team and trying to win, that's when I played my best too. So it was all like, it was a win-win situation. Once I could figure out that that's what I need to do and just help the team out as best as possible and winning championships are the most fun thing in sports too. So I always wanted to do that. And then that just helped me as a whole. You know, it was amazing. I had, a, I had a chance to talk with Alan McDougall, your high school baseball coach at Colleyville Heritage in preparation for this podcast. And I said, Alan, tell me something about Junior that I probably don't know and he wouldn't ever mention on the podcast because of his humility. And he said, ask him about his walk-up song when he was a freshman and what the name of that song was. Do you remember what that song was? Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. <laughs> Is that the one? Well, it was also mentioned in, this, in the Sports Illustrated article about Tim McGraw. In oh, yeah, yeah. Humble and yes, kind. yes, yes, yes. The, the other one was when the seniors picked for me, but and that one was just, it came out during that time. And, yeah, like, grandma passed away in, during that time, and that just kind of, it kind of toned me down. And then just that song, just always staying humble and kind by Tim McGraw, that's kind of been my motto throughout my years of playing throughout high school and then the summer sh showcase and then even now. And that really, it just makes me feel once if other people can do that, then this game will be a whole lot better. Not saying it's bad now, but those guys that are, I try to be like, what I try to do is just stay humble and kind because you never know what's going to, what other people are going on in their life, what's going on in your life at home. So if you just try to keep that even kindness and humility within you, then the other people will build off that and then it'll be a great culture. And that's kind of what we built at Colleyville Heritage and 
that's what the whole Royals organization is pretty much about too. And that's why I'm so blessed and honored just to be a part of that organization. And do you feel like that, that having that humility and that kindness and that focus on, you know, serving your teammates and being a great teammate, that that takes a little bit of pressure off of you and maybe even creates an edge for you when you go out there to play because you're not playing with so much pressure that you have to be perfect. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, that's it. All this stuff that we're talking about here, it ties together as just going out and just trying to do things, not just for yourself, but for others. And if you can do that and be team first player, then you see, see guys have success. Like Derek Jeter, he wanted to win, to win championships and look, look what he did. He won championships and he was the best guy on and off the field. And that's kind of how I want to role model myself as well. And just staying humble as kind as much as possible throughout everything. That's kind of how I hope to live my life and the rest of my life and throughout my whole baseball career. You know, and in talking with Alan, one of the things he mentioned was that as you guys were making this run into the state tournament, he said two things that stuck out to him. I think it was a game at Dallas Baptist that you guys were playing, and he was standing there talking with a bunch of scouts and people there who were there to see you and some of the other great players on your team. And he looked down at the batting cage, and here comes you and a bunch of your teammates running in. And there's one guy carrying a tee, carrying a bag of balls and a bat, and everyone else is running in either empty-handed or just with that bat. And that, and that player was you carrying the balls, carrying the tee and doing that. Where, where does that humility and that, that willingness to want to seek to serve, where does that come from? Is that something that, you, that was instilled with you by your parents or in your program, or is that just a decision that you made? Definitely with my family, it's just instilled me. I have three older sisters, and they, and they if I acted out of hand, I had my mom, my dad, three older sisters are on me like that. So I always had to be in best, best, uh, being the best I can around them. And so that kind of just, just with my dad, just always wanted me to work hard and put others first and just having that mentality, just growing up as a young age, it kind of, it helped me just be that. Cause I didn't even really think of that. It just, it's just first thing that came to my mind, all oh, the balls are out, got to go pick them up, got to bring them in. So really that's just, it's almost like a, it's a routine and a habit for me now that I've done it so much in my life, just at home. And just, it just really doesn't phase me to do it. And I think that it helps me as a whole and being able to be that team player that I try to be, it helps the team feed off that. And then hopefully they see that and they do the same thing. Is that something that you think you'll take into professional baseball? Cause I know a lot of times when players go from high school, college baseball into the pro ranks, it becomes almost an individual sport for them. How are you going to combat that as you continue to transcend into your professional career? Oh yeah, definitely. I want to just keep the same me and just always be me and do, do the things that I've done to help me get to this point. And kind of like I was saying earlier, just the Royals organization, that's just how they are. They treat every player like they're a first rounder and they go out and just the staff, the people they draft, the guys they sign from Dominican, Venezuela, they're all, they're all team players. There's not one guy that's like, Oh, I'm just going to do this for me. And then that's kind of, that's, it's just an amazing fit for me. It just happened to work out with that. And I'm just really greatly appreciative of what they have done for me and how they've kind of like, I've, I've been around a lot of college players and I was kind of the one high school player and they just took me in their arms and just kind of helped me through my first season and kind of first spring training and which was awesome and kind of helped me get my feet wet through that and just get, get going. And now I just play baseball. I can't really, I don't worry about the other things. And now it's just really back to trying to win for the team. Would you tell our listeners, and there's going to be a lot of baseball players listening to this, and would you talk about some of the techniques that you learned, whether it be through you know our time together at Colleyville Heritage High School or things that you've learned on your own now with the Royals or from your dad, and just being around the, 
the unbelievable baseball career that you've had so far and the people that you've been around, what are things that you've learned that you feel like these are mental game strategies that I use that help me be the player and teammate that I am? Definitely. I'd first just to say, just get a good routine, whether it's from in the dugout or coming to the on deck circle or getting into getting into the box. And that's what kind of you taught me and just kind of getting that first go around in my freshman year. That's when my routine started. And I've kept that same one going up to the plate since freshman year to now and going up there, getting a, I look at my bat, I find a little focal point, take a deep breath and just say something, whatever's going in my head, like it's time or just get that confidence going. And that's, I'd say that's another, that was a huge thing for me in my first year of professional baseball is getting that routine of every day. Cause every day is pretty much the same day just playing different teams and playing at different ballparks or whatever, but just getting in that good routine will really also take the pressure off you and get you in the right state of mind, just getting ready for the game or getting ready for a practice or getting into the weight room. And also just having that, that mindset of just really when something goes wrong, just really flush it. That's kind of how you said, just if something goes bad, you can't, you can't take what happens in the field and take it to the, take it to your at bat. You got to keep those as two, two different things. You're playing offense, you're playing defense, two different things. And if you can do that, that will also help you in a way where you're not giving up at bats because you made an error in the field or you struck out, struck out three times in a game, but you got to make the game winning play at, at shortstop or wherever you're playing. Cause that those baseball gods, the ball, the ball is going to find you no matter what, whatever, no matter what's happening in that game. And that's something that, that was also instilled with me, just not getting into that big roller coaster effect with, having being up too high on whenever things are going really well for you or getting down too low, you kind of want to keep that even, even path, but always continually trying to get better and better in each and every day. And just those things. And there's so many more that I could go on and on about, but those are the really three key things that have helped me get to where I'm at today. So if you were going to go on and on about more of some of the other strategies, I think let's start with maybe having you outline for the listeners. What are some of those other techniques and things that you use, Bob? I use calling the success hotline. And I know throughout high school, we did that as coach McDougall wanted us. We would circle up and we would go out and just one person would get picked in every day. And I know there's guys that are like, Oh, this is the, why we got to do this. But really it's, it's helped me so much in life. And today I was talking about how you can be really, really good and the desire that you can have to, in order to what you want to do, you can achieve it. And once you get that really, once you want to be really, really, really good, then that's when everything will click. That's when buying into the success hotline, buying into the, the mental performance 30 day challenge that I just started not too long ago and just doing these little things that people will think, Oh, why, why do this? It really, it really does help. It's not just, it's not just for show. It's people think it's eyewash, but really if you, if you truly buy into it, it's going to help you and just take, take the bits and pieces that you need for yourself because there's no one that's really the same. So just kind of doing that has helped me a lot. And really just seeing things that other people are doing with breathing techniques, meditation, and those things. I know coach McDougal, he, he did was doing that and that he said that that would help him throughout his days and just being, being a coach with the stress that kind of put on him. He said that really just relieved everything. And that's kind of what I started to do too. And just before I go to bed, I'll do a little breathing technique thing that I that I just kind of put put with me and kept along throughout the ride and it's really helped me sleep and just get more energy just you think that these little things would would never benefit you but once you actually do it and you buy into it it really does and talk a little bit more about the breath because I think when people look at 
baseball in specific, and you've already mentioned as a part of your hitting routine, you would look at a focal point on your bat and take a deep breath. And you've also now mentioned how that helps you, you know, to fall asleep at night and to kind of wind down and shut off, which I know is a challenge, not only for athletes, but for, you know, people in general that are high performers in high stress environments, corporate America, education, being a parent. And the breath can help you just to slow the heart rate down, to get present, to get connected to the now. Talk a little bit about kind of the benefits of the breath for you, if you would, Junior. I just, first off, I got to the opportunity to hit in the high school home run derby. And that was the thing that probably helped me. There's 40,000 fans there all on their feet. I'm hitting second against one of my best friends, Reese Hines. And Javi Baez is next to me, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout. I'm walking up to the plate and they're all looking at me like, what is this kid going to do? And that's kind of where that breath, that that saved me right there. Because right before I got, I don't know if there's a video of it out there or whatever, but I just take a deep breath and just right there, I just, it cleared my mind. And it was, I felt like my legs were going to fall out beneath me before that breath. But then I do that and then it just, it just triggers my mind like, all right, you're back here in the box. It's just like you're hitting DP in the cage. Here we go. And that just right there, it, it showed me that how much just one little, just one little deep breath can really change a whole outcome of a right there, a home run derby, but it could change in a, a season as well. Whether it's you're, you're worked up really excited. You're in the ninth inning of a game, you're jittery and everything. You just take a breath and the ball sit at you, you make the play just like it's in practice. If you make things like it's in practice, and when no one's watching, doing the things right, and then it'll help you. And, you know, it's like I heard you say, and I've, I've read this in, in my favorite book, Heads Up Baseball, which I'm sure you've read of, of you know, you treat, game, you treat a bullpen in spring training like you would Game 7 of the World Series, so you can treat Game 7 of the World Series like a bullpen in spring training. And is that something that you really pride yourself on, which is that, that really deep focus and deep work in practice and taking practice is something very serious as part of your career? Oh yeah, definitely. I try to, in practice, I try to be as perfect as possible because if you get as close as perfect as possible, like I was saying earlier, no one's perfect, then you can get as close as to game-like as you can in practice. And that's kind of what Coach McDougal as well put into our, our team, like during BP, playing everything out live. We would play the last pitch, like everything's live. Like it's a game seven of a, of a whatever state championship or whatever it is, seventh inning. So we would do that and like we'd be making diving plays out there just during BP and it's it's during practice and some guys will come out and watch and be like, why are you diving in BP? I was like, that's I'm going to be doing it in the game. So why not do it, do it here now? And they're like, oh, you're you're going to play effect in your body. But yeah, in the, maybe in the long run. But right now I'm trying to prepare for the moment now and trying to get ready for the game to come. And that's really helped me just trying to play everything as game like as possible. And in pro ball, just taking those. That's that's the best way to get better ground balls getting those live reads during bp seeing the ball off the bat trying to read the hands and everything and that's what that's helped me a lot just trying to take the things in practice and make them as much as game like as possible and swings and everything and then that will really slow down the game for you as you grow up you know bob if we go back you talked about the home run derby and for some of our listeners i want them to know that this is not like your typical go to a field, have a home run derby with your buddies. Like this was the day of the mate. This was in the, the day of the major league baseball, all-star home run derby in the same, the same park at the same time, right? Like when they went to cut the commercials and no one's on TV watching the home run derby, that's when you were hitting, right? Yes. Yes, it was. And it was 
something I'll never forget. My buddy hit, I think, six or seven home runs. I was going second, and he hit then that many then and was walking off. And literally standing next to me is, I think, Bregman and then Aaron Judge as I walk up. And just and then kind of I looked around because he, he hit a ball, I think, 480-something plus feet, and it was the furthest ball of the night. And that's what got all the fans on their feet. And then I'm coming up, and they're still standing. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And then just took that breath, like I was saying, and it was it was go time then. You know, and obviously you're walking to home plate, right? And that's part of your routine. And you get to home plate in this situation, as I'm sure you have many times in your career in clutch game winning situations, or maybe your first at bat in pro baseball. And you get up there and you feel like the heart's racing, or you're a little bit out of control, and what we would call kind of a yellow light or a red light. And you go to your release to get you back into green. Would you explain in your words what are the signal lights and what does it mean to be in green light, yellow light, or red light? I'd say first is that red light is just the the jitters, whether it's your first at bat of high school season. I'd always have something no matter what, whether I was we were up twenty to nothing and playing a game and I'd go up to the plate and I'd still have a little little something here and here and there. But the red light is just where you don't want to be when you're hitting and then just trying to transition as much as you can into that green light. And once you're in that green light mode, then it's it's sorry, pitcher, it's it's over for you. And that's what Kind of you got to have that that confidence mentality, but just keep it in your head when you go up there. And that was something for me that I would kind of lack just going whenever I'd be be down throughout my first year of pro ball when I'm like an on an o for o for eight stunt or whatever, going out just saying, oh, this is this is the same game I've been playing, and just go up there and just relax, just take it take it easy, just getting that good mindset, that green light mindset, like you're saying, and go out there and just try to. You can't be thinking about, oh, I got to get my foot down. Oh, I got to do this with my hands. Right when you go up to the plate, it's it's you versus the pitcher, and you got to compete. Don't really think about get all the other stuff out of your head. And once I think, if you have a clear mind going to the plate, that's that's your green light. That's the green light mode, and that's what I'd say. That's for me too. Attention, athletes, coaches, and parents of athletes. Mental performance is the key to unlocking unshakable confidence, forging unbreakable mental toughness, and gaining an almost unfair edge over the competition. So why are so many athletes leaving their mental performance training up to chance? And why are so many coaches flat out ignoring it? Look, if you're an athlete and you know you can perform at a higher level than you currently are, but you're not sure what's missing, or if you're a coach or parent who's tired of seeing your athletes fall short of their potential because they lack confidence or mental toughness, and you're looking for a step-by-step program that they can use to master the mental game, you're in exactly the right place. I'm Brian Kane, world-renowned mental performance coach, and I've had the privilege to work with Olympic athletes, MMA world champions, Major League Baseball Cy Young Award winners and Heisman Trophy winners on closing the gap from where they were to where they wanted to be in mental performance. And now, with my 30 Days to Mental Performance Mastery for Athletes program, you can get the same training that's helped these world champions close the gap from where they were to where they wanted to be and needed to be to win. Head over to briancane.com and click on Athletes to get started today. You know, Bobby, one of the things that you talked about earlier is the routine, the hitting routine and, you know, taking a look at the focal point on your bat and taking a breath. But if you rewind, take us through the entire at-bat process. Like when does an at-bat start for you? And let's say you end with a a strikeout or you end with a home run. When does that at-bat end for you? Take us through all that detail, if you would. I would say just from learning in pro ball and hearing other guys that had the experience that at bat starts when the pitcher is in the bullpen before the game warming up. 
you could cut, you could pick something up with his fastball or where his arm slot as, or what's his fastball doing. If it's running, cutting, you can kind of pick that up if you could see in the bullpen. And then always just watching whether you're the nine hole or the leadoff guy, watching that pitcher just to see what he's doing, if he's showing any tendencies or anything, anything. And then whenever he gets on the mound for his warm up pitches, that's also the start of the at bat too. And then you're seeing what he's doing, you're getting your timing down. And then right when you step in the box, that's when you kind of just got to focus in on, on, what's there right right then and you just got to go up there and kind of like i was saying earlier just compete compete to try to beat that beat the pitcher try to put a barrel on the ball that's pretty much the goal right now from what i'm hitting is put a barrel on the ball and i'd say that at bat ends whether you're walking back to the dugout or you're on first second third home run whatever it is that at bat ends there and you gotta flush that at bat whether it was good or bad and then just start it back over when you're in the dugout take take that and watch just watch the game if you watch the game you'll learn so much about the pitchers the position players and everything and that's what my dad has also kind of instilled on me just always watching baseball because you'll learn you'll learn something every day and one of the coaches for the royals that's been around for over 40 50 years he takes a notebook out and he'll always write down 10 new things each and every day and he's still learning just being around professional baseball players and just that says how you're you're going to learn something new every day in the game of baseball if you just watch what was one of the biggest challenges that you had like as you went to from high school into pro baseball and now you're out there and instead of being a senior in high school where you're one of the older guys in the field and more physically developed now you're the new guy again and even though you're who you were and a top prospect you still are going in now and playing with other top players from around the world and you're playing against some grown men that are you know 24 25 years old that have been in there have got seven more years in the weight room than you do so when you start making that jump into pro baseball what was some of the key things that stuck out to you or some of the key things that you learned in that kind of first season of pro baseball? Really just kind of first off, just surrounding myself with good, the good teammates that I had, just whenever you can build that, that family, that relationship with them and know that they always have your back and you have theirs. And then that takes off some of the pressure there and that takes off some of the, the eagerness to play. And that just really calms you down and puts you kind of steps you back a little bit. It's always one step back, two steps forward is kind of how I put things. And really, if you have that good teammate, the teammates, and especially the Latin players I was playing with, the cultural change, that was that was a huge change for me too, just playing with guys in infield that, that don't speak your language. But those guys, whenever you gain their respect and that you got their back, they they have your back no matter what. Those guys are high-energy guys, and those those are the guys I love to be around and play with. And so – really just kind of creating that good culture with your teammates, coaches. And that's what the Royals kind of, I just keep going on and on about them, but it's, it's really what they do do for us, the players, the staff and everything. It really, that's what gets everyone connected and really wants to win for the team, not just for the team, but for the coaches, but for the staff, but for the whole organization makes you want to win. And I just feel like once I got settled in with that and learned that that organization guy has my back and everyone has my back then that's what got me got me going and got me feel like that it's just it's the same game that I've been playing since I was four or five years old it's just you got different teammates now you're playing at a different ballpark or and you're playing against different guys so I just zone in on that and then just like I've been preaching just always trying to compete always trying to compete and get better always trying to compete and win for the team it sounds like too, one of the things that kind of think a common theme that's running through what you're saying about competing is also like controlling the things that you can control, you know, and how, how important has the mindset of controlling what you can control been for you in, in this journey of yours so far in baseball? That's huge, especially in professional baseball, because 
you're wanting once you get in the minor leagues and everything, you want to work your way up and get to the big leagues. And you can't be looking at guys that are ahead of you or behind you. Oh, this guy's hitting way better than me. Are you they going to bump them, bump him them up for me, or are you going to go up for him? He's hitting down. Should I switch? So you really just there's all there's a plan for everyone, and you just got to trust it and just kind of like you're saying, control the controllables. And once you do those, and just where focus on you in that moment and focus on just doing what's right, what's best for the team. I think everything will just skyrocket up and just go in as some great things for you and for the team as well. You know, obviously you've got a lot of things going on in your life and a lot of people pulling at you because of who you are and, and, you know, wanting media requests and wanting pictures and wanting autographs and everything. And, that, and you've been dealing with that for a long time, probably started when you were a freshman or a sophomore in high school, I would think. But how do you deal with everything you have going on in your life? Like, how do you work to stay present and stay in the moment and not get caught up in all the distractions? Whenever I just think about it, I just got to, like you're saying, just live in the present moment. And that's, that's also another thing that I go about life as, because you can't really, you look at the past and what is done, like my high school career and everything, and that's over. I could, I could build off the success, learn from what I did bad and everything, but I can't go back and change anything that's all done so I just got to build off that and just keep moving on move forward and just and then what's going to happen in three days you never know something crazy could happen like when I was in spring training I never knew that this this virus and everything was going to shut down everything so I just had to go about that day and leave it all in the field because some of those guys that just went about that one day just going in to practice or whatever a game just kind of not going in at full speed and then boom this happens, your, your baseball career or whatever sport career is over. And do you really want that to be your last memory of just kind of, Oh, I could have done more and then play that. What if game with you the rest of your life? No. So that's what puts me in that present moment because now this, this thing that's going on right now, really it changed me as well too, just to even live even more in the moment and try to enjoy life to its fullest and live it up and try to take every, all the good out of the bad and just learn and keep, keep smiling and having fun through it all. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that current situation when, you know, with, with the Corona season and dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and obviously 2019, you get drafted out of high school. They send you to like an extended sort of spring training kind of orientation to professional baseball playing in Arizona. And then you go out for 2020, you know, February, March, it's your first full spring training. And then all of a sudden, boom, it comes to a close with the coronavirus. What has this been like for you, Bobby? Yeah, I, this off season, I put in a lot of work and just with my, my buddies and everything. So I was really excited. I was ecstatic for the first spring training because I grew up going to spring training and seeing it. And now I really, I get to participate in it. And this is the first one. So I was beyond ready for that. And then this just shuts it down. It's almost like, okay, here, here we go. This is, this is new. I'm back home. I'm back home in uh, April, May, where I'm supposed to be playing, wherever I'm supposed to be playing. And this, this isn't right. So you really just kind of, what I put out is, is kind of how you talk and everything, just think about good, good. Now, now, now what, what's next? So I just got to live in the present moment and just try to do what I can. What I've been doing is just really just working on the little things and really trying to get my mental skills better as a whole too. Like, like I was saying, doing that, the 30 days mental performance challenge, I'm starting that. I'm on day five now and just trying to get better mentally because during these times people can fall apart really and just trying to get better each and every day like I've been saying and just go out there and just do what I do 
So you're going through the 30 days, the mental performance mastery athletes program that I recently came out with on April 7th. And, you know, people might be thinking, well, why is he going through that? He's known Brian Kane since he was a freshman in high school, five years ago. The guy's the second pick in the major league baseball draft. He's got the third biggest signing bonus in the history of major league baseball. Why would you want to continue to learn the mental game and go through that 30 day athletes program? What, what's the purpose for you to do that? You look at Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. He's getting better each and every day at baseball probably at his mental performance and everything. And that's what I want to do. I've just, I've just set a tone for something that I can just keep getting better and better at. And that's how I want to live my life. Just always trying to get better at each and everything and just trying to always sharpen, sharpen the iron that I have already built. And do you do that through having like a daily routine right now in the Corona season? I mean, you don't seem like the guy who'd be watching Netflix till 3 a.m. and then sleep until 3 p.m. Talk about kind of your daily life right now as a professional baseball player during this pandemic. Yeah, that's something definitely just getting in that that good routine, really, because you could just really, like you're saying, just stay up super late, sleeping all day and just repeat and just have that as a groundhog day. But I want to get things done and get better, like I've been saying. So really, I just put it in my head. I don't I should be writing it down and everything, but I just make a mental checklist and I have the way of life app and I have the three things that I want to do each and every day. And once I do those things and I can pretty much start my, my day on other things. So I just really have that mental schedule in my head to know that I need to do this, 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 this. And once I get that done, then I could do the things that, that maybe not be as, as important, just always trying to, keep my room clean, make my bed, listen to the success hotline, do something baseball related, whether it's hitting into the net, playing catch, taking ground balls, watching video, watching baseball, just doing something baseball related just to keep me, keep me in that shape. And just, and then I'll get my workout in. I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'll get my conditioning and running in. So that's kind of another routine that I have. And so I just kind of built off that and I'll continue to continue building off the routine that I have now and just trying to make it better and better and more consistent through each day and kind of more time, time scheduled. You know, and you talked you know, earlier about kind of a meditation and something that you use. What about visualization or mental imagery, Junior? Is that something that you do consistently where you're always kind of closing your eyes and seeing yourself play and doing the things you want to do? Oh yeah, Definitely. Whenever, whenever I go to bed, that's the one thing I try to do, trying to see myself and whether it's playing in Kauffman Stadium, hitting game-winning home run in the World Series or just playing in a minor league stadium and helping the team do whatever to win a game. Or also, I kind of it's not really mental imagery, but actually just having a, a highlight reel of my performances when I do good. Then that kind of just having that during this time, it helps me gain and keep that confidence that I have and just saying, oh, look, there's me hitting a home run here. Or there's me making this play there. And that kind of just puts a smile on my face and just say, it's, it's going to come back. The game's going to be back. And just having that, it's almost like helping your, your confidence stay, stay going. And when you're talking about having that highlight reel, is it an actual video that you watch or is it a, a video in your mind? Yes. It's an actual video that I have on my phone. I just have video. I've probably, I think it was, 480 something videos of me hitting and more playing the field and some of me pitching too. So I have a bunch of videos that I'll go through and just watch and just remember and kind of take me back into that, but try to build off that and just always have that, that confidence little highlight reel because I know a lot of guys playing 
higher up in the major leagues that they they watch it before every game and just kind of get that oh here we go and stay loose and get that get that confidence going and then that'll get you in the right right direction yeah i think that's a tremendous tool that that every athlete should create even if it's even if it's not of you you know obviously nowadays you probably have a lot of video of yourself and some players maybe growing up they don't have the video of themselves so watching someone who they want to play like i always go back to an example of one of the only baseball players that's ever been selected multiple times in the first round is a pitcher named Tyler Beatty. Pitch it was with uh, went to Vanderbilt, was a first round pick out of Lawrence Academy in Massachusetts. Ended up being a first round pick again. I think of the San Francisco Giants, Blue Jays out of high school, and then I think San Francisco Giants out of Vanderbilt. And I worked with Beatty in 2013 with the Team USA Collegiate National Team. And you know, one of the things he used to do is watch video of Pedro Martinez just carving. And I'm like, Beads, you're watching Pedro Martinez. And he just, he didn't have the, you know, it was only 2013, right? So it's seven years ago. He just didn't have all the footage of himself that he would have wanted to have. I'm sure he does now, but man, having that highlight video of yourself is something that's critical for enhancing confidence, enhancing preparation, and making sure that you're keeping that really good self-image for yourself. And, you know, Bob, one of the things I know that you had texted me about earlier, and I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here, but uh, you, you're a reader too, man. I mean, you were given, recommended a book by one of the, the coaches in your organization. I think it might have been your manager, Mike Matheny, talking about reading. Is that something that you've always done, or is that something you picked up now that your, your high school, you know, formal education in high school is over, you're doing more self-education with reading? Talk about that, because I think all leaders are readers. That's been something huge because throughout high school, I really, honestly, I did not like reading at all. I did not like doing any of that. And whether it's reading or listening to audiobooks, I think just since high school ended, I think I finished three books now. And that's probably more than I, sorry, teachers, that's more than I probably read throughout high school. <laughs> but yeah, just getting that and just keeping that mind always working, working the mind. And that always helps too. And there's books out there that will really change your life. And some of the ones that I've read that really it's helped me just as not only a baseball player, but as a being, being the young man that I am trying to be the best boyfriend I can be, be the best friend I can be and just be the best coach I can be to help others that are asking for help. What's one of the best, best book that you've read? What, what gives the Bobby Wood junior stamp of approval that other people ought to be reading or listening to? I would say the first one that I really checked off my list was the, I can't remember what it was. It was the Derek Jeter book, just kind of showing his life, his upbringing, everything, just how he went about life. And that, that's who I pretty much role model my game after. And so just kind of whoever it is, I know there's, there's thousands of books about all athletes and their, their, their biographies or autobiographies, whatever they are They're there. If you want to be like them, then you probably should, read about them and see what they did as a high schooler like I am and how he worked his way through the minor leagues and what he did once he established himself as a big leaguer. And that's what's really helped me. And then another book is Fearless by Eric Blem. And that was about, I think it was uh, the Navy and how um, the SEAL team and them and how they went about and did their thing. And just those guys are hats off to them. And I can't say I could ever do anything that they've done and they go through the the mental grind and just the grind as, as a whole and just reading and hearing about what they did and just the brutal things that they had to go through just to get, just to get where they were. It, it really, it's really eye opener and just to show that I'm just playing baseball and then I strike out and my head goes like this, well, this guy loses an arm and he's, and he's fine about it. So what can I do to change to not let that affect me, how he changed to not let that affect him. And so those books just amaze me and 
really get me going and get me up. And that's just getting the opportunity to play for Team USA was also another thing that I would say, just getting just a little opportunity to show, to kind of pay respect to those guys that are overseas fighting for our country and doing what they do. Just to really, just to wear that USA across the chest. It's I get chills just talking about it. There's no better feeling. And I'll just say, if you have any opportunity to do that, just if you can just try it, try that out and just always respect those guys. Really. It's awesome. And you know, and I know you're, you're reading that book right now, fearless and uh, a lot of mindset and positive things that we can take and use as competitors from Navy SEAL culture and the Navy SEAL mindset. And you've mentioned a word earlier. I want to circle back to of one word that you picked up in a video from Jocko Willink. And that one word is good. Would you talk a little bit about kind of how you've used good over the course of your career and in your life? It's it started in high school. We would watch the Jocko Willink videos, and just something bad happens. Good. What are you going to do about it? It's Corona. Coronavirus happens. Good. What are you going to do to get better with yourself? What are you going to do to help your family out? What are you going to do to just just not go down in that roller coaster effect? Kind of how I was saying earlier. Just what are you going to do to just to be better as a whole and just take those things and. Some of those things are bad, but yeah, you can find something good in it in ways. But I just think that having that mindset, just, oh, you make an error, good. Hit me another one, see what happens. Just, it's almost like a confidence booster. And it's not like you're making fun of it or whatever, but it kind of just gets you back up. It, you know, you're down at the moment, but once you say good, it kind of, it just uplifts you back up. Yeah, and it gives you something to go to. And I think that's one of the biggest things that that I've, you know, uh, taken out of this podcast and listening to you talk is Bobby, you got some tools, man. You got some tools that you can use when things get hard, when the pressure hits, when you feel like your heart's going to explode out of your chest and you're walking to home plate in front of 40,000 and you got the who's who of major league baseball on home plate watching you hit. You've got some tools to use when you're the new guy in a professional organization and a team and everyone's looking at you as, you know, the guy the organization has made the biggest investment in. And you've got some tools to be able to handle the pressure that's coming your way. When you look around a clubhouse and you look around other guys in professional baseball, and I know you haven't been, you haven't been a player there for, for, you know, six months now, not even an entire academic, you know, or full year. Um, but do you look around and say, man, I can't believe these guys, some of these guys here, they don't even, they don't have any concept of mental training and things that you've been doing since you were a freshman in high school. Are you shocked sometimes that guys at that level still don't have that type of training yet? Yeah, I'd say definitely just because of how much of a success that I've had with using it and how much better guys can get with using it. I think that everyone, whether you're playing any sport or just even just a student in school, it helps you study, do your homework and anything. It just, I just feel like it just makes you just look at things differently as a whole. If you truly buy into it and not just think that, Oh, it's kind of, um, maybe I'll do this or that. Just really, if you just go all out all the time with what you do, and if you're doing that right with your mindset, then your mindset towards everything will be, be great. And I've been watching the Michael Jordan show the last dance and you look at his mindset and just the way like why can't everyone be like Michael Jordan why can't everyone have that mindset because it's just he bought into that he was he was all into his mindset of being the greatest there ever was and look look how he ended up he's he's the goat you know it's funny you mentioned the last dance is as I didn't know that this show was even coming out or existed until I heard Dr. Gilbert talk about it on success hotline so I started watching it and 
as I'm watching it, I remember something that Gilbert always said. He said, if Bobby Witt Jr. and Michael Jordan meet together on a basketball court, and maybe you're not the best example, let's say, let's say I end up on a basketball court with Michael Jordan. Who's, who's a better athlete? And that's why I had to take you out of the question. Who's the better athlete? Jordan's better than me. You, you might be comparable. He said, who's taller? Jordan. Who's faster? Jordan. Who's got the better basketball ability? Jordan, Jordan, Jordan all day. And he says, you might not be able to match his physical traits, but can you match his mental traits? And the answer to that is yes, because the mental is more trainable. I mean, you can't, you're, how tall are you right now, Bob? About six, one, six, two. Six one six two. If you could be six six, you probably would take it, right? But I don't know how we grow to be six six. We can't control that thing. But the one thing you can control is: Do you have the Mamba mentality? Do you have the Michael Jordan mentality? And as you watch the Last Dance, let me ask you this: Because I know a lot of listeners are going to be either are watching it or they're going to start watching it. What are you taking from that that you're going to apply into your game or into your mindset and your toolbox? What are you learning that you're going to take and use? Just how he didn't only just lead by example on the court, but he helped those guys off the court. And he wasn't the guy just to kind of be like, Oh, do that. He got, he got onto guys. He was getting onto Scotty Pippen. He was getting onto these guys that are absolute studs. And he wasn't afraid to show that. And he had, and he also, what he said, he went every game, he left it all on the court and whether it was practice, he's leaving it all on the court. And so he never wanted to make his last, his last, appearance on the court to be a bad one he always just left the field and he emptied his tank every time and that's what shows me how he did it for so long and why can't I do that playing baseball and just trying to get my mind where his is in order to to succeed that is the next challenge in my life and that's what I'm that's what I've been working on that's why I'm working on it now during this coronavirus time where I can't go be playing on a baseball field with my teammates or anything that's why I'm right now trying to kind of ignite that fire into trying to be the best I can off the field and now on the field when the time has come. You know, and I think Jordan, one of the things that I, that I learned, I didn't know about him during that the last dance was, you know, when he started with the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bulls were one of the worst teams in the NBA and they were getting outdrawn in attendance by the Chicago Sting, the soccer team that played in the same stadium. Yeah. By the end of his first year, they were selling out games, right? And Jordan, when he went into the Bulls as a, as a draft. And Jordan, I think, was the third pick in the draft. I think when Hakeem Olajuwon, I gave you, I can't remember, Sam Boyd. I can't remember yeah. the second guy's name because he, he's, he was not Michael Jordan. And, you know, the, the mentality that he had going into that first year, and he said, I was going after the leader on the team. I was going after the alpha male. And whether that was in the weight room, whether it was on the field, whether it was in conditioning, whether it was when we or on the court or when we played, and he, he didn't do it with his words. He did it with his actions. And I think one of the things that's so impressive about, about you, Junior, is you do that same thing. You do it with your actions, not your words. You're a guy who's going to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And you know, probably not ever talk to talk. I mean, the favorite quote I had from, from, from Alan McDougall in the Sports Illustrated article about you where, you know, you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated was, he said, Bobby Witt's big league in every aspect of his life, except he's never going to big league anyone. And I think that is 
a lost art. And I think that's something that I want to thank you for, for modeling and, and showing young people, this is how you're supposed to do it. So if you were to, if you were to leave a message with a high school athlete who's out there right now, who wants to achieve success in their life and in their career, but they're still kind of laying the groundwork and forming sort of the right mindset in the right habits that, that you've obviously established, what would you say to that young athlete to try to give them some strategy they can use moving forward to be more successful? Really, I'd, first thing that comes to my mind is just how, how do you want to be remembered? And just kind of how you were saying, and thank you for all those, those words you said about me and everything. It just, that's how I wanted to be remembered. I want to be the guy that not only on the field that respects the game, but off the field respect people because one day, a while ago, like a long time ago that I was that kid that wanted the autograph or wanted to say hi to this guy or wanted to, to watch, watch this guy or just see this guy play. And cause you show up, you go to see like kind of going back to Michael Jordan, you go and see and watch him one game. He doesn't want him, that one game to be, or you go and watch him that only, only, you only get to see him one game. He doesn't want that one game that you show up to see him play that one bad game or see him not go all out. So every game, that's kind of how I put, myself and that's how I think that everyone just don't let that one game happen where someone comes and sees you and then that's how they remember you just always make sure that you go all out on the field all the time and just respect the game respect others because you never know when you're going to be coming back to them in life and so just really how do you want to be remembered and laying it on the field just and don't let that that game happen where you don't leave it on the field and that one person that makes an impact on your life sees you not go all out. If that makes, sense. It makes total sense. And how you want to be remembered is something that you're doing day to day. And I think something I'll never forget when people ask me about Bobby Witt Jr. was at the end of spring training or at the end of your first, I think, full season of or professional baseball, you get drafted in 2019, you go and play in Arizona and we get the opportunity to get together, you know, play, play around a golf where I think we together, we probably set a course record for the most number of shots by uh, people in a golf cart over the oh, course yeah. of the day. Um, but then, you know, you're getting ready to drive back to, to Texas and leave Arizona. And I wake up and there's a picture on my cell phone that you text me of your truck. And it was said one word, good. Would you tell us that story? Because I think it, this just summarizes how you've taken everything from the mental game of baseball and put it into your life on a daily basis. Yeah, so it was the day before I was going back home from instructs, it was a month to just kind of work out, just getting you back, getting you ready for the off season. And we just went to golf. I think it was the day before, two days before that. And one of my friends come into my room late at like knocks on my door and, and gets a room key to my room and like wakes me up. And it's like, Hey man, your, your tires are gone. I'm like, what? It's like two thirty three 3 AM in the morning. And I'm like, I go downstairs and I, I got a, a new, a new truck after the season ended and that was my first really big road trip i drove out to arizona and had it out there and the day before we're leaving and i go out there and my tires my tires are gone all all four my cars on cinder blocks just sitting there i'm just like oh my gosh what what's going on so went on woke up the next morning i went back to sleep got the the cops whatever came filled out paperwork they never found the guys who did it and then so i wake up the next morning and I see it there and then that's when I'm just like what am I going to do about it can I am I going to make it ruin my day or am I going to finish finish the last day of intro it's kind of getting me ready for for the off season and set me up on a good note and just kind of laugh off this this memory and as soon as I walk in walk into the clubhouse everyone everyone sees it because it's right in front of our team hotel the vans are going by it 
all the guys, some of the Latin guys, were like, "Ah, oh, you're drunk, Bobby," and laughing at me. It was, it was, it was awesome. It, it wasn't awesome, but it was funny. But it just going to the field, and everyone just looks at me, and then we just all start laughing. And I just was like, "Well, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to get get mad about it and make it ruin my day? No, I'm just going to get the get it, try to get a handle, get it fixed, and just move on. And this will be a, a moment that I'll remember." kind of pretty much for the rest of my life and just think, look back and I look back at it now and I laugh about it and I don't try to make it hard and make it upset me at all. So it was, it was a fun ending to my, end of my 2019 season. Yeah. And I just remember the text message of your truck and it says you come out and your trucks on cinder blocks, wheels are gone. Good. And I just, and I just cracked a smile. I was like, man, I don't know how I would have handled that, but that's probably not the first thing that would have came to my mind, you know, and uh, probably some other four letter words, not beginning in G and ending in D good, but it was amazing. Yeah, that yeah. You, sent that, you know, so that was, it was fun, fun that you sent that. And I think that kind of just summarizes like how you've taken mental game and applied it to all aspects of your life. And, you know, Bobby, to bring this podcast to a close, man, um, you know, Alan McDougal, who, who was your high school baseball coach and, you know, I, I said, hey, t- tell me again about Bobby, things that he, he wouldn't say about himself and things that we may not know, but he would know because he's been around you for, for, for four years of high school. And he said, you know, Junior has a constant desire to be the very best. And he could roll out of bed and be better than most, but that's not his goal. He knows that common people get common results and he wants to be uncommon with what he does on a daily basis to set uncommon records and get uncommon results in the game of baseball, but more importantly, in all aspects of his life. He says also, while Junior is the most talented kid, I've had the opportunity to coach. He's also the most selfless person I have ever coached. He truly gets that the way to the top is to help others. He says, I was constantly, daily, amazed at the kind heart he had for others as I watched him interact with kids, teammates, opposition, friends, family, and fans. He's a pro in every sense of the word. For four years, I could tell members of the Colleyville Heritage High School Panther baseball program to just watch number 17. Follow his lead, and you'll be headed down the right track. This went for players and myself. And I was honored to be able to give my son Jackson the same advice to just watch his lead. Bobby, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us and listeners. Be sure to follow the career of Bobby Witt Jr. on Instagram. It's BWITER15. Is that right? Yes, sir. It's BWITTER15 on Instagram. Bobby. Thanks for coming on to the podcast, man. Looking forward to watching your career. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I had a blast and for everything you've done for me and just everyone out there, just always have fun and stay humble and kind. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Mental Performance Podcast on the Ironclad Content Network. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. I'll see you next time.